Get ready. It's time for Motherhood Talk Radio, live on Toganet.com. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio features the powerful voices of Christy Hawley, Robin Boyd, Linda Franklin, Tracy Coston, Danny Kiernan, Susan Haid, and Lisa Dietress. Together, these women bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s, from great parenting tips to moms living with cancer, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. This is Sandra Beck, and we are here today on Motherhood Talk Radio, and we've got an exciting guest for you today. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to be visiting with Gail Carruthers, and she has had just such an interesting career. She's an interesting person. She's got so many life lessons that she's going to bring today. She's going to validate us. She's going to comfort us. She's going to entertain us, and Gail, I know that's a big, tall order, but welcome to the show today. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure, Sandra. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, you're coming to us from the far north. You are in the cold reaches of southern Canada. Is that correct? Correct. I'm just outside of Toronto. And, uh, yes, it's a cold day here. Minus 10, I believe. And it's a blizzard. It's a blizzardy windy out there, which is, I must say, for this region of Canada, it's unusual. It's a little early in the season for this, but... <laughs> well, I'm sitting here freezing in Southern California. It's chilly down here, too. We're thousands and thousands of miles apart, but we are close together in our experiences, our thoughts, and that's why I have you on today, because you're a real inspiration, Gail. You have led such an interesting life. Uh, you've gone through um, adoption. You've created companies. You've traveled to different countries to find patterns. There's so many unique things. You have been on the radio. You have your own spiritual radio network i mean how do you fit all that into one person oh that's a good question um you know what to be perfectly honest not always great <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a little messy at times uh but you know what i would say the biggest thing here sandra is that my life has been such a, an, an evolution and that i have never been afraid to evolve and to and to change it up and to follow, you know, follow those next hunches that are, that are coming, you know, that, that show up in my life. Um, and to not be afraid to take that next step and to sometimes they're, they're leaps. And to kind of keep it all going, um, I allow it to be messy, I think. I, I, it, it's just going to be messy at times. <laughs> I think that's well, let's, probably the let's key. Well, let's go back a little bit. Let's let's. I want to learn more about you, and I want our listeners to learn more about you. You know, let's talk about the early Gale years. Tell me about the early Gale years. Well, you know, the early Gale years were um, typical. I mean, I was, you know, I I, I was raised in a really really um, formal formal relig- like religious household where, you know, religion was, was really uh, primal in my life. Um, although I never, I never actually took to that. I never, it never felt right to me. But anyways, that's, that's another story. But, you know, I, I you know, went to university, got married, 
And um, I would say the one primal, the, the one main thing for me in my life is I've always, I've always followed my gut. I've always followed my intuition. I've always followed. I didn't have anything formal to call it. Um, you know, I guess people would say it's God's calling, but that's that. I I don't like. It's just not a, a, a donger that was always felt right to me. I always thought that there was something more, like something. I want to say bigger because how bigger is how much bigger is it? But something more else going on. And I just have always followed my intuition, and I always and I think I just bottom line believe that that's how the divine talks to you, right? And, and but to me, it's not a religious thing. To me, it's a whatever modality you are. Whatever, whatever segment you are is that's how you, you know, that's how you connect to your higher self. That's how connect you connect to the world. I guess the energy that pulsates through all this world. And um, and I, I am an adoptive mother. I, I followed that that guidance and and um, adopted three children from China. And you know, the, the, there's just so many signs in my life that I I call them serendipity. I call them serendipitous connections. I, other people would call them coincidences. But to me, they're not coincidences. To me, those are those. That's just the way. It's a divine orchestrated way of, of um, understanding how the world works, really, and how you can read those signs to for what is meant for that come up. Like they're clues, almost. Like what's next to come up in your life, and 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 to follow those paths to the, to something that's ultimately going to. I guess you know, purpose might be the one word, or or ultimately make you you know living the life that you were meant to, to live or you were born to live. And I, I guess um, I jump or I, I kind of tend to jump around this because I, I tend to, to not like to use this whole God focused on it because I think that that's, that just shuts a lot of people down because it shut me down as a kid. So okay, I've, um, okay. which is one of the reasons I created the network that I created, Spiritual Girlfriend Media, um, was to help expand that conversation, was to help, bring in people into the conversation of their spirituality without getting shut down by the the dogma of organized religion. I just think it shuts a lot of people down. So that was one of the reasons I started my own show, and then I started the network to really, you know what, to expand the conversation. Because I think our world needs to have a lot more in-depth conversations and a lot of different variety of topics than we're currently doing. So, well, and I think, um, you know, the hard thing with some of these words, you know, like when even when you just touch religion or politics or, you know, some of these things, you know, the, a word can mean so many different things to different people. Like, you know, just take the word God, if you will. You know, you take the word God. Some people have a very visceral response. It can be good. It can be bad. It can be, you know, frightening. It can be exhilarating. You know, it can go run the whole gamut. You know, you talk about what a hot button word. So when you when you even just use that one simple word it can have so many different meanings and you're right it does shut down conversations it does stymie things because in the languaging of things and that's why i think it's so interesting to talk to you about some of these things because you have a radio network the languaging of things and trying to communicate thoughts can be like cut dead in their track just by the use of a couple different words that have such hot button meaning so i i, I applaud you for handling these things so deftly well, and that's ex- that's exactly what happens, Sandra. Is that you know, if I'm going to use that word, if I if you know, if any of us are going to sit down and, and use the word God, we're we're only going to talk to a certain. We're going to be talking to the, you know, the choir, right? Like the people who who are tuned into that word, who are tuned into the vibration of that word, 
and that's it. You're, you're not going to reach anybody else that is unable to listen to that word. Because like you said, it ha- it's very hot buttoned. It has so many connotations. So if you don't, if you're only going to use that word, then you're only going to reach a real small segment, like a, a, speci- a, I shouldn't say small segment, but a particular segment. Whereas if you, if you change the language and you open it up, suddenly you've opened up your audience and suddenly you can have a much more dynamic conversation that incorporates so many more ideas, so many more perspectives, so many more questions and, and, and uh, you know, doubts and, and, and to have that dialogue and to really get down to how people really, I think, live their lives, meaning they have questions, they have comments. And, and it's, again, this isn't about a religious thing at all. Like, uh, uh, the whole dogma around religion is my biggest trip up. It's what's tripped me up my whole life. You know, I said that I was brought up in a very religious-centered con- con- family, and that's what tripped me up. I couldn't, ta- I couldn't identify with it. And I wanted to start my show, Spiritual Girlfriend, because I think there's a lot of women like me out there who are trying to fit into this 21st century, um, you know, internet global country, or, you know, world that's changing faster than I, my socks, really. Like, it's changing by the day. And I think we're just we're evolving so fast, and I think that there's so many more conversations that need to be opened to women. And I'm going to really target this to women right now because I think women are the leading and are the leading edge changers of the next century. And I say that with complete confidence. And I think it's because we are on the we're on the pivot of being able to change the most because we've got the most to gain because it's been so patriotically driven our world for the last well for millenniums there's so much change that needs to happen for women's life like for women's place in our world we have not taken center stage as much as we believe we have in the west we actually have not like to the not to the degree that we're owed not to the degree that we need to and i think there's a lot of women out there who and mothers and who feel it but they don't know how to plug into well where where do i go you know i and I just, uh, I think it starts with knowing and owning our own power and what that power means. And I don't mean power as an economic power, my ability to buy things. I don't mean my, my spiritual power. I mean identifying who we are as, uh, I guess I shouldn't have said spiritual power. I meant religious. I mean that in a religious context. I mean like, our, I guess I do mean our spiritual, who we are holistically first, creating that that, you know, integrating our emotions, integrating our, our mind, body, and, and working, working holistically for almost the first time in, in evolution because we've been so marginalized, really, for centuries. And it's, it's changing, but it's changing. It, it can change more with the consciousness of women saying, hey, you know what, I do need equal pay for equal work. I do need to, um, I, be, I need to be able to say, hey, you know what, I've got kids, but I'm also a great CEO, and that shouldn't demise my ability to be a great CEO because I need to leave and pick up my kids at five. I'll work around the schedule, and I can do, you can do both, but we need to change how business is done today to accommodate that, and that's a paradigm shift. That's being able to say, the, you know, the work world doesn't need to be nine to five. It doesn't, it's no longer nine to five with technology, I get that, but... Right now, there's a lot of women out there who are afraid to put up their hand and say, you know what, guys, it's 5 o'clock, I've got to go pick my kids up, we're going to, you know what, let's take this meeting offline. 
let's pick it back up at 8 o'clock tonight. What is wrong? Like, changing how we do business without being afraid to say, yeah, I'm also a mother. And, and dad's being able to say, I'm also a dad. I've got to go do this. And it's, But right now, there's this whole, there's still that fear of, well, I, have to, I can't be a mother and I can't be a CEO. Well, damn it, yeah. Well, of can. judgment. There's a fear of judgment. There's fear of not fitting into the little boxes, you know, that were set down by the people before us. But I think what you're talking about, Gail, is is shifting our consciousness to a, 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 a greater awareness of what we can do, whether it's personal power, spiritual power, you know, family power, emotional power, you know, whatever it is, we have to shift. And the people who aren't shift. shifting are going to be left behind. And there's, you know, there's great movements, and, and the whole movement, the Lean In movement by Sheryl Sandberg, is a great beginning to this conversation, and I by no means, I actually applaud her book. I've read her book. I applaud her book. But I still think that there's some subtle changes. I don't agree with the entire book, and this is what I mean by that. I think what I'm saying is the empowerment of women, and I, yes, we do need to, as Cheryl says in her book, you know, you know, raise our hands at the table and speak up and, and not be complacent with our, and not using our voices. And, and we do need to do a lot of that, but a lot of that is also masculine energy. And it's, I think the, what I would like to add to that conversation of the lean-in conversation is to also be able to say women are also, like, both, you know, men and women both have other qualities that also need to be embraced and used in the workforce. And that is because if we, if we emulate the same paradigm that men have used for millennium, we're simply going to have two genders using the same masculine energies at the top on CEOs. And really, we're, that means we're not utilizing 100% of what women do and what women have that are different from men. We don't need to emulate the same thing we already have. We need to bring out the, the innate, like the things that are different about women, our nurturing and our, and our emotions. Men have emotions too, but we've, we've been told to suppress and, and to not express our emotions. Well, guess what? Emotions are actually fundamentally needed to, to be healthy, to be, to be vibrant. And there's a whole science behind emotions that's that there's that is just not being talked about to the same level. There's a science that you know that that breaks down emotions and establishes a a biomolecular basis of owning it and what emotions are at that biomolecular basis, and how they work in your life and how they work on your health. Well, we're not even having those conversations. It's just simply you know repress it and move on. But if unless we sit down and look at what is the positive of nurturing as opposed to simply nurturing of a child, but nurturing of what is the like taking it out of the context of oh you're a mother and that's all the place that you're allowed to have that you know that that fits in the nursery it doesn't fit in the boardroom well you know what I disagree but we have to change how we look at it so there's these paradigms and this structure of how we look at things and that's it it's very tunneled and I think we have to start chipping away at that and again I come back to this network of spiritual girlfriend and it and, and it's not about Religion, it's about the spiritual, the, the, the essence and the spirit of who we are. And I'm going to start with women, and I say that again, and, and I keep repeating this because it's going to start with us. Women are going to be the change agents of the next, of this century and beyond. It's going to come from us, and it's going to be because we're the ones that have the most, we've been the most repressed for the longest. You know, it's, it's no longer, we've made the gains again, but there's more to be made. 
And like I said, the lean-in conversation is a great place to start. I applaud Cheryl Sandberg, but I want to add to that conversation. There's pieces missing. So Well, and there's always pieces missing, and that's why we do this. That's why we talk. That's why we enlighten things. You know, one of the things that you touched on was emotional intelligence and what is the information feedback our emotions give us. You know, there are times I've sat in the boardroom, um, Gail, you know, and this is in New York City, a very high-powered, you know, dealings that I was doing at the time, and there were some famous business people at the table, and there was something in me, the feeling said to to me, this person's lying. The feeling said to me, you know, and I didn't have any of my other senses to tell me that this person was lying, but it didn't feel right. And I didn't go through with the deal. And people asked me like, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you go through? And it did blow up later. And so, you know, there are a lot of things that we can discuss, you know, when we think of emotions and softness and feminine, you know, when I was telling people like, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. And I don't know why it doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. And, you know, men call it the gut instinct and, you know, women call, call it feelings. Instinct. But we recognize these things as value in our personal and our professional lives. Absolutely. And, and you know, when a, when, a, when, a, when a male CEO of a top 500, Fortune 500 company says, well, you know, it's my gut instinct, he's applauded. But, but the word intuition, which is exactly the same thing, right. well, that's, that's just too airy-fairy. That's just not, you know, that's just not macho enough. Whereas, you know, scientifically, your stomach, your gut, is actually lined with um, nerve endings. And, it, and the, I mean, I'm not a scientist here, but the, the bottom line is, is your stomach is considered a second brain. So the nerve endings and the molecules like the, that, are, that we use in our brains for emotions are actually this, are, are also lined in your stomach. So it is a second brain. That's why you get what we call those gut instincts. Well, that's a science bait. Like, that's, that's not just coming down to an airy-fairy sort of like, well, what is this? You can't really figure it out. Well, actually, you can, but we're not having enough. It's not getting enough attention. It's, it's, still, it's still, like, it's too, it's too fringy, right? It's still not embraced by the model that we run, and our society doesn't fit into what we call hard science. Well, it is. It, it, people don't want to pick it up. They don't want to talk about it, and it's just... There's so, like, you know, there's, there's a, a great book out there. It's been written called Molecules of Emotion, what was written by a Ph.D. neuro, like a, a top-end scientist. And it, it's, like, I don't understand why this stuff isn't, like, common sense in, in schools because it's not, it doesn't fit the paradigm. It just, it, so there's, I guess what I'm trying to say, Sandra, is that even in the world of, of science, which and in education and in politics, we have a, we have a structure. And when, it does, when, when new ideas come up and they butt against that existing paradigm of thought, even if it comes from people within that industry, it, it gets shut down. It doesn't get funded if it's in the science world or it doesn't get picked up to be d- developed if it's in the business world. Because we're still butting up. We're still not allowing new innovative ideas that, that do not meet our paradigm thinking to really grow and to really emerge as fast as they could. So that, that's why we have all these sort of, um, we have a ton of entrepreneurs. It's one of the women entrepreneurs between 35 and 50. is the fastest growing segment of businesses today in, in North America because, well, we'll go out and do it ourselves because you're not going to get traditional rap- venues of 
of business or, or science picking it up to develop because it doesn't fit the paradigm. So innovation is, is going to come through the entrepreneur. Well, and it's funny because, you know, when I think of your spiritual girlfriend network, you know, you know, when I think of the innovativeness in that, and and I'm going to, I'm just going to go back, I'm going to be all religious or biblical on you, because this is what I've always thought when I would hear your, you know, when I would hear the name of your network. Um, I didn't find it at all, you know, offensive. I didn't find it at, in fact, it made me think of Pentecost, and it made me think of the Holy Spirit, you know, when it began to speak those other languages, and, you know, every nation under heaven and there was noise and the multitude came out and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. That's what I thought when I heard your spiritual girlfriend network. I didn't go the woo-woo rem. I just thought here is a woman who understands that if we take out some of the words that shut down communication because they're such high feeling or high energy or high, you know, attachment to them so that we can start really talking in a language that we can all accept and understand. Isn't that funny that like, I didn't know this about you, like, you know, your hyper religious upbringing or however you put it, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but, but isn't that funny how that related to me? Yeah, it is. Well, and I don't even like to, like, I, it took me a long time to even come out and say that I had a radio show. I didn't want to tell anybody, any of my friends or family, that I had a spiritual girlfriend radio show because I, I mean, it was, it was that, that, that worth, that, that, that value worth, you know, who am I to have this show? Who am I to speak about these things? You know, that I had to step into, like I was saying earlier, know and own your own power, right? I had to, first of all, step in and be able to say, yeah, I I do have something to say about this and kind of get over that. And I think a lot of women have lots to say, but they have that, they're pulled back and they're held back. And I'm really glad to hear that you said that you connected to that. And you're right, it was on a a level that I I hadn't even thought of it in that connotation that you just uh, so eloquently, you know, modeled it under. I didn't even think of that. So it's, it is, it's, there's, there's, it, it connects to a lot of women on, on so many different levels. And like I said, it, and even in my own example, my own experience of stepping into the title of spiritual girlfriend, and people now know I, you know, my friends and family now know I have it, but for like well over a year, I was at the shroud, right? I didn't want anybody to know. So... It was, uh, oh, you have a radio show? Yeah, kind of. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell them the title because I just felt so, I did, first of all, I didn't want it to be about religion because it's not. And second of all, it was that, you know, who am I to say this? But there's a lot of women out there that have a lot, a lot to be said and a lot of, of insight that's valuable. Well, and it's very valuable, you know, and it's interesting because, Gail, I navigate, you know, with my company, I have, you know, 140 moms, so I navigate lots of different belief systems, if you will, and I find when we can take the high emotion words out of it, we can really learn from each other, we can really talk, we can create, we can commune, you know, words should not be set up to divide us, you know, but to bring us together and to communicate and share ideas, which is, you know, kind of a very feminine perspective perspective on this stuff, but um, that's why I thought the juxtaposition of spiritual plus girlfriend was very interesting, and I wanted to talk to you about why did you combine those two words? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest here. It was, I, uh, you know, I, I, I do work a lot with my, you know, people talk about you have, you know, you've got guides and you've got, I, the word popped into my head fully formed. 
I was actually trying to come up with a name for a blog. And Spiritual Girlfriend literally popped in my head fully formed. Um, I know, um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it, I can't, it, it, there was no magic behind the um, creation of it. So all I can say is it kind of, I felt like it was divinely, I don't know, like it was, it was given to me. Sure, so, that's, that's perfectly, think, that's a perfectly acceptable answer. Yeah, like it didn't, uh, yeah, it didn't, um, I, I, it, it reminded me, I was, her name escaped me there for a second, the creator of Harry Potter, um, oh, I can't remember, why can I, I, suddenly I'm going blank. The yeah, I'll author Google of, it, Harry Potter author, but what will suffice it to say the Harry Potter author. Right, I can't believe I can't, but I, anyways, um, when she was, when somebody described how she came up with the, with the character of Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling. Same thing. She said he popped into her hair, into her, her head, fully formed. The, 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 like the image of him with the glasses and the scar and the hair and, and the age and whatnot. Like it, it popped into her like exact, like that's how she saw him immediately. It wasn't a, um, it wasn't a progression to get there. So it, it was the same sort of thing. I was lying in bed and the name literally, I felt like somebody like, you know, pushed it into my head. And it, it, it immediately resonated with me. It was like, you know what? The girlfriend part is because, it, you know, when you go to your girlfriend, you're talking, you're sharing, you're supporting each other, and you're helping each other, you know, grow and evolve. So you're helping each other, you, you know, you're nurturing each other, you're, you're, you're each other's cheerleaders, you're each other's um, crying post. You know, that, that kind of idea of community, that idea of um, when I, so when the idea did pop into my head, I took it as, you know, the girlfriend part, meaning that, it's a, it should be a safe a safe place to feel that you can connect. That's what girlfriends feel like for me, anyways. Love that, and I. It's funny because I thought of like you know here is this universal language we're going to be able to talk about anything under the sun without, you know, somebody shutting us down because of a word we used, and and that we could do this with our girlfriends. So you know, it's interesting. It's interesting what you created and how, you know, receptive. You know, especially for me because I'm right in your target demographic for that. Well, like I said, the first one was a spiritual girlfriend show, and then it, it has evolved because I wanted to take what I did and open it up into a bigger platform for other women to come in. And that's why I now have created the Spiritual Girlfriend Media, um, which launches January kind of thing. And, and it, that, that idea behind that is to be able to say, all right, under the umbrella of Spiritual Girlfriend Media now, I want to be able to offer other women the platform to express, to express their ideas and their, you know, create shows under their, their inspiration and their, their idea and create a network of like-minded women. I, I say women right now. I mean, I'm not close to, to opening up to men, but it is my initial, it's my initial thought. Um, opening up to other like-minded women to, to, under that umbrella and to be able to say, yeah, let's, let's take our unique vision on, and, and perspective of being female and where the where we want it, what kind of world we want to create in the next century, and let's let's get to it. Let's share our expertise and our emotional our emotional insights and our spiritual thoughts, and and let's create a a really dynamic media platform that takes these conversations that are currently happening in the world and change them. Like I like I want to bring them. I want to bring a new perspective to them. 
I want to take the idea of education and, and as an idea and, and say, okay, how do we, how is it working? As a, here's just an example off the top of my head. How, you know, what's our education system look like today? How is it working for us? How do we improve it? How, how, what, you know, what do we get rid of? What do we not get rid of? And why do we do this? And, and is it addressing the, you know, the full perspective of our child development? And that kind of idea. Where do emotions play into, into, into learning? You know, those kind of conversations and, and take it to a different, you know, a different level than, than, I, than I'm hearing. Um, well, and it has to. Like, I, I, you know, I look at certain statistics. I look at there's more women applying to law school than men. There are um, 20% of the U.S. military is comprised of females. You know, you just look at these things. You know, we just had some elections. And, you know, the, the I think women outrank men for certain things. But it has to change. Like, like our paradigms, our thinking has to change because women aren't going away. No, we're not. And it's and it's as much as we have um, gained in our in our in the West, anyways, in the West, we still have we still have a ways to go. We still have a ways to go, and it's uh, it, and it's in those gains that unless we stand up and say, you know, we don't have the representation that we need to have it in in the top levels of government. We do not have the, the representation that we need in the at the Fortune 500 level of of board directions being given at at, at company level, at the CEO level, at the board level, then it's going to come through innovation. It's going to come through our discussions on ourselves until until that, that paradigm change changes. But it's only going to be if women stand up and say, hey, I'm, yeah, I, I'm smart enough, but I also don't like the way this, this you know, the, this system works. Let's, this is what I think we need to do in the system. And until enough women, like, Again, I'm going to go back to the lean in, and, and she's right. We need to stand up. We need to put our hand up. We need to speak up. But we also need to embrace who we are as women and, not, and stop apologizing for having these great natural gifts of rich emotion, of rich nurturing, and stop saying, I, I don't, I'm going to shut that down because I want to be, you know, the top CEO of, of, of Google, you know, whatever, whatever company it is. Um, those, I, I'm just real passionate about the fact that we, we have to be who we are first and stop apologizing for the fact that I have, ki- I have children and I need to pick my kids up from daycare. That is a, that is, <laughs> that is just life. That's just life. And uh, until women stop apologizing for it and having to hide it to get ahead, we're not, society is unbalanced. And I guess part of it, the whole lean-in thing, I, it's my idea about that, is that and if we're still acting like men, we're still off balance. If, if I'm leaning in instead of standing on my own two feet, I'm still off balance. I'm still not being exactly who I need to be. So that's the second half of the conversation that I really want to see happen, is, is understanding and balancing myself as a full woman. I, I want to be able to to not apologize for anything that I, that I choose to do and have in my life. 
Well, I think you, Gail, you and I came out of the same thing. I think when I got my master's degree at Northwestern, you know, the first thing I did was, you know, cut my hair short, you know, dress myself like a man. I started speaking very authoritatively in my voice. And it's funny, Gail, because it's so far away from the person I am now. You know, here I own this successful multimedia company. I own a technology company. You know, I'm a single mother with two kids. I've got a great life and a great house and, you know, pay my bills, all these things, you know, that are typical man behaviors. Um, and my hair is blonde and my clothes are pretty and my makeup is soft. And, you know, I feel like I can fully integrate now at the age of 47, the masculine and feminine qualities that make me unique. And it's very funny because every once in a while, I'll still get an old schooler call me up. Like there was this man who called me up from Oregon last year. And he said, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a real hard time taking direction from a woman, but you know, I need to get this done and I hear you're the best at it. And it was so funny to me because I started giggling, you know, it's been so long since somebody has told me, you know, that they're going to have a hard time taking direction from me as a woman. Now, granted, I feel it. I feel it in the workplace. I feel it in technology. You know, the interesting thing about technology is that it's it's very sexless at times. People don't know who's at the other end of an email. And sometimes I use SJ Beck you know, so that you can't tell whether I'm a man or a woman. And it's very interesting to me, especially in working overseas in India and in China and Afghanistan and Iraq and working with developers around the world, because, you know, I, I only hire the best of the best for this stuff. And they, they, they automatically assume SJ Beck is a man. And we right. can have these conversations that go on for years. In fact, there was one guy from India who it was, I think we worked together two and a half years before he realized I was female. Isn't that amazing? And I, I, I love it in the fact that I, like, I hope he went, wow, you know, I hope it shifted something for him. Like it may, it may or may so. not have. It you is know. amazing that he went that long without knowing you were female and, and just assumed you were male, right? Isn't that hilarious? Yeah, because I didn't, you know, I didn't communicate with him verbally or on, you know, I only communicated with him in a written form. And so, you know, I would send the instructions over and, you know, please complete this, please send this when it's done. And um, it was only when he decided to get on Facebook, because again, he was very old school and traditional in his work. And he kept looking for me, looking for me. And he's like, I cannot find you under SJ Beck. I cannot find you. And I said, well, if you type in my full name, you can find me. And I sent him back and he sent back and he said, I had no idea you were a female. And I said, is that a problem? And he said, no, ma'am. <laughs> but, but, you know, I wonder if we would have started out the same way. Probably not. Probably you know, if we had started I mean, out, have, I think it would have been relate, different. Have, we started out as peers. undertones to it too. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the, the fact that I was a female, which is hilarious. Sorry, I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Did I lose you? Yes, you did. Oh, okay. So, well, I just said, you know, I thought it was interesting that I was labeled as a female, you know, not female, not a woman or a mother. And he says, oh, you know, you've got children, you've got all these things. And, you know, we worked past it. But I think this, the, the working relationship would have started out differently, I believe, if he had known I was female at the beginning of our working together. I think so, too. I think it would have changed the undertone. Yeah, and the dynamic. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. I guess those are the unconscious, the subconscious sort of, of um, 
I guess, perceptions that, that do exist in our world. And, you know, there's a lot of, even guys, you know, friends of mine who are pilots and they're, you know, they're professionals. And, you know, it, it, like I keep referring to bringing, bringing this back to the Western woman because we, we do live basically on the apex of, of the global, you know, um, where women have the most, you know, the most equal rights in the world is in the West. And I, and I get that, but we're still not where we need to be, yet it's so subtle that people don't even understand it. And when I, when I try to have these conversations with friends who are, who are successful males, they, they're like, they look at me like I've got five heads. And they, it's almost like they don't believe the stats. I'm like, well, there's, here, here's your stats. And it's like, it's almost like they don't believe the stats. And I guess because they see women and, and uh, you know, they're not, I don't know, it, it, it we have made the gains, but it's it's right in front of them, and they still don't get it. And I and I come back to them with because we're in a paradigm. You you you're not thinking outside of the paradigm here, and it's just really hard to bring that a different perspective into something that is so structured and that we've been raised in. Yeah, you know, so many so many women who are um, professionals still say that they do the majority of the housework at home. They still do the majority of of child pickup and child activities, and the cooking. And it and it's because I mean it's changing, but it's because there's still there's still this sort of shift, and I think every generation is going to move and move and move further. Um, but it's not even that kind well, of level that I'm I'm really want to have the conversation about. I really want to have the conversation well, about. In, in I'm, going to, I'm going to buzz in and say, you know, that right there, that was one of the big contributing factors to the demise in my marriage, Gail. You know that we have to identify division of duties, not just in the workforce and equalize, but in the home force as well, because one of my biggest pet peeves. And I will tell you, you know, t- five years later after divorce, I still look back and I burn with indignation. You know, it's like I was the family breadwinner by far. And, you know, my ex-husband didn't make a quarter of what I made. However, I was still responsible for the child care. I was still responsible for the cooking, the cleaning, the day-to-day household, all these things. Um, you know, and then he's like, well, you should just hire somebody, you know, to leverage this. And, you know, it was really tough for me. And I think it is for a lot of women. I know I talk to a lot of women who struggle through this, because we're the first generation of truly financial independent wives and mothers. And that paradigm shift that you talk about that has to change in the workplace has to change in the home front as well. And it's very interesting, because right now, um, you know, I've, I've been dating a man who's much younger than me, who had a working mother, and he doesn't seem to have any trouble with the idea that he can throw in the load of laundry if it's sitting there. Like, it's a very interesting transition to look at the generations and how they view women in the workforce and what happens when you go home. Absolutely. A really good friend of mine, you know, just finished going through a divorce. And when she went back to work after, you know, worked part-time and then went back full-time back to work when her kids were full-time in school and said, you know, successful real estate agent. And I had said to her, you know, I, I'm, she was having a lot of turbulence in her marriage at this point. And I was like, I'm pretty sure, you know, your husband, like, there's, could it be that he's jealous of, she was making more money than he was. And she, no, 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 that's, that's not it. Well, it, lo and behold, that's exactly what turned out. And th- that was, he couldn't, he couldn't manage it. He couldn't get his head around the fact that she now made more money than him. Yet she was still, in his mind, 
on top of all the the chores and the and the childcare and the like it 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 ended up becoming a real buffer between them. Well, they didn't. Well, yeah, and you break. I can tell you from you know being a female in that situation, you break because you can't be the man and the woman in the traditional standards. You know, it's like I could be the breadwinner, but you know what? I can't come home after a twelve-hour day with a commute, with two children in the car, picking them up, and then come home and clean till midnight, do homework. You know, something's got to give, and both parents have to adjust, and then together as a couple, we need to decide what to leverage you know right. that's and a that's, very that's the, the relationship i'm in now and has a very the, different paradigms that we need to start having to confront and saying i mean even in the book cheryl sandbrook says you know men have to start picking up the other part of this but we have to be teaching our children from the, our kids from the get-go that it's a it's it's a partnership well, and yeah, and uh, taking care of things like laundry is not a male or female thing in my household anymore. Neither is cooking. And, you know, the idea that a bachelor is out there and he can't do his laundry and he needs to get his mom to do his cooking, that's got to die the way of the dinosaur. And I know I'm raising two boys that know how to cook, know how to clean. And, you know, it's going to be a different life for them and their wives, I hope. <laughs> and it will be. Yep. And it will be. And it's and it's because I agree with you. It's like you can't. You can't do it all, and I and I think that the lifestyle magazines. This is where I go back to. Our culture doesn't support the dialogue, so we have these dialogues, and then you go out, and then when you're in the grocery store, and what's what's hitting you in the face? But these lifestyle magazines that portray the opposite to what we're actually trying to bust out of. You know, you've got yeah. you've got a, you know this pristine you know high end kitchen. And she might be a, a success. This woman might be successful, but she's still the one cooking. Like, you, like the, it's still about having this pristine house, this pristine image, this, these high-end clothes, this fabulous husband who looks great, and a dog. And, the, and, and it's about having it all. But you're, it, the, the, the message, the unconscious message is you're the master of your home still. Like, you're the, you're, you're, you're the, the, the decorating goddess, and you're the one that's going to be buying these fat. Like, I don't have time to even worry about, like, my house. It's the last thing on my list. But it, what I'm saying is, you know, we can, you know, I could get off the phone and have this great conversation right now and then have this great show, and then, you know, you walk outside, you're smacked in the face with these lifestyle magazines. And so it's, it's pervasive in our culture. The messages are so conflicted. They are very conflicted and the guilt, you know, that, you know, I ended up hiring a housekeeper and she would cook and she would, you know, fold the laundry and put everything away and she would do a lot of the domestic things. And then I hired somebody to help me decorate, you know, cause I, I can't, you know, there wasn't enough me to go around, but the backlash I took and the stress it took on me to try to be all things to all people, even when I leveraged it to pay people to do the things, you know, and I saw one of my friends pay a, pay a high school student to teach her children to ride a bike because she couldn't do it all you know she couldn't and you know there's such there's such a high bar expectation for working women today to do it all and all I see is a bunch of burnouts and women who are dissatisfied because the expectation is completely unrealistic well and, and it is and I mean I think we should be applauding the innovation of that woman that paid a high school student to have her child learn how to ride a bike I think that's a great thinking out of the box solution it is. Right? Like I think I think we should be applauding her as opposed to some somebody criticizing her for that. Because right. you know, I was having this conversation just this morning with another uh, um 
working mom, and it's like, you know, the, the morning ritual, you know, this particular morning, you have, you have these bad, crazy mornings, and your kids have these meltdowns, and, and, you know, the guilt, and I've said, you know what, honey, it's okay, like, every morning is not a Mary Poppins morning. We're not supposed to be Mary Poppins all the time. Real life is messy, and that's why at the beginning of the show, when you said, well, you know, Gail, how do you keep it together? How do you do it all? I'm like, I don't. It's messy at times. And that's okay. And I think women need to have each other's back on that. Absolutely. I think we need to be I the first person we are to our each other to say, worst it's all enemy. right, girlfriend. Totally fine. Like, and, and, and instead of the the judgment of, oh, you know, you're not perfect. Like, I, I, I just think we need to be nicer and easier to each other. I think it starts with, I think it starts there because... Again, the paradigm in our world has been extremely competitive, which is a very masculine energy. And when I say, when I use these terms masculine and feminine energies, I am not referring to gender at all. Every human being has both energies. We both have masculine and feminine energies, male and female. They're not gender specific. And that's the problem is that they've become gender sized. So when I say competitiveness, it's a masculine energy because every human being at some point in our lives needs to be competitive, right? Like, you know, to get things done. But we also have feminine energies. And again, they're not female. And that's been the biggest problem is owning all of those energies and being cooperative at times because that is also a strategy to get ahead. But we've been living for thousands of years strictly on the masculine side and forgetting the feminine side and then we gender sized them to be at, at the next end and and then made those female female ones we perceive them as weaker so we've really really screwed up these natural holistic energies that every human being has and that's so you're trying to get your head around these paradigm shifts you can't even do it until you recognize that every human being has both energies your intuition isn't a female sixth sense sixth sense it's a human being sense it's not a female sense which we then we continue that's why we contribute emotions to being female because you know and then we always attribute them to being weaker well men have them too but they're just repressed because we've lived for thousands of years with our masculine qualities and again, I keep repeating it, they're not gender, but because people automatically are going to think male, and they're not gender. So if we can, if we can embrace that concept, we, are, we can break that, par- that first paradigm shift of we have both energies within every human being. If we can get that one concept really integrated into our lifestyle, the rest will take care of itself, because then we'll start identifying with, my, to- my full toolbox as a human being, my spirit, my whole, all my toolboxes. I need to be cooperative in one sense to get me ahead and over here I'm going to be competitive to get something to get, you know, that's going to be, that's, that's my toolbox or my, my wrench over here and my screwdriver over there. Like you wouldn't take half your tools to a construction site, yet we've been working as human beings with half our energies and, def- and really devaluing the other half. And that's the, that is what needs to shift consciously in this next century for us to truly, on a, like humanity, to get to the next leap, truly to awaken our full consciousness. So, 
Well, and I think, you know, it's so hard with, you know, we talked, we opened up the show talking about languaging and, you know, how, how subjective and, and emotional and things the word God is, but talk about feminine versus masculine energies. It's like, I wish we could call it like, you know, like, you know, like all yin and yang, you know, there's, there's different balances that other cultures have done, but just the word masculine and feminine energies already conjures up all sorts of emotional response. I know. Sandra, every time I've done a show on this or I've done a blog on this, I have struggled with the language and I've struggled with being creative with the wording. And I, I don't, other than yin and yang, which, which has another cultural connotation to it, right? although that is exactly what it is, yin and yang is the Eastern version of masculine and feminine, I can't get the impact that I want to get in my, in my conversation because it, people aren't, it's, it's not... It, it goes right to gender, right? And I, I'm struggling with, like, if there's a linguistics expert out there that can help me, you know, re, relabel these, these, this concept that I'm trying to, it's not just me, but it, many, other, many other people are trying to con- create this, con- this conversation without shutting it down or without pin- pigeonholing it. That's my problem, is the language. You know, and it, it's, it's, I think that my only recourse here is, is to just have this conversation over and over and over again in, in different genres so that it starts to seep in slowly, slowly, slowly. But that is where it comes down to. It comes down to recognizing that we have both energies, that we've gender-sized them, and that's where we, that's, that has been our downfall for the last thousands and thousands of years. And that's been the downfall that is the repression of women in other cultures in our, in our world that we've, you know, we've, and we, you know, we, we needed to use a lot of the masculine energies to kind of get what we're doing and to have progressed in, you know, in, in evolution to where we are, but we, we don't need, we don't need to be so one-sided. We need to now emerge and come into and utilize the feminine. And I truly believe, truly believe that the repression of women has been historical because well, the whole, you know, they've been, they've, the feminine energies have been considered weaker. They've been considered less, uh, less desirable. So it's been a convenient excuse to also devalue women in general. So, which is, you know, which is slowly over thousands of years. You know, it's only been the last hundred years that we've even had the, I mean, it hasn't even been a hundred years since we've had the vote. So we're making gains, but it, you know, it's slow in, in the context of, you know, but, but I think it's going to, I think things are going to really start, start changing rapidly. And the, the smart person is going to change along with this thing because we're not going away. And we are, you know, when I think of more women applying to law school than men, what's that going to mean, you know, for the future of business? Um, you know, just seeing women litigators, I, I, you know, was in the courtroom recently and I was surprised to see how many, you know, polished professional women litigators they were of every color, you know, 10 years ago, I saw a fair amount of women litigators, but they were all white. Well, now I'm seeing, you know, Asian and Latino and black, especially here in Los Angeles. It's a very, very different workplace, even just in the past 10 years. So I'm very excited. Which is awesome because every different, every different um, culture, like every different woman in the bring from a different culture brings in a, a different flavor and a different nuance to helping that helps everybody, right? It breaks down that 
you know, the, the one perspective that we've lived from for how long, which is, which is white, white male. Right. And it, well, it, and it was really, very interesting to Miguel that, that we, you. We, need, we, had we, a, we need some new flavors out there. Right. We had a lady judge, you know, and it was sad to me that I was like, wow, we have a lady judge, you know, that I had to think like, this is unique. You know, usually judges are mostly men and they're white and they're older. And, you know, to have a lady judge to me was very exciting. Um, and it didn't change the rulings in any way, but it was very interesting to see her in that courtroom, you know, which is predisposed to dominance. You know, you've got the, the judge sitting up high above everybody else. There's a big barrier between, you know, the judge and the rest of the people and everybody sits lower. You know, it really is set up psychologically very intriguing for dominance and to see a female judge. I was, I sat there and watched her for the afternoon because there was a female judge. And at, at one point there were all four male attorneys sitting at the table with their clients who are all male. And it was, I almost wanted to take a picture so they wouldn't kick Right. <laughs> right. Because of the, the, the imposing setup or scenario environment of what that was. And, and really, yeah, what, what that symbolically meant. Not even symbolic, right. what it literally meant. They were literally, because, you know, I grew up with Corbin. Wonder Woman was the only female-dominated superhero, the woman who could do an Amazon, you know, and sadly, yeah. that was the role model. <laughs> right. And then, and, and, and then sadly, every time there is some type of female lead, whether it's a cartoon or a movie or whatever, it's, we have to sex her up. It's it's the only way that that women seem to have value is if they they can be they can be superheroes but they have to be sexy, and you know that's we've we've seen to we make gains in certain areas and then you know it'll take another however many decades to kind of make gains in the rest. That women's value is beyond the bedroom. It's beyond her sexuality, right? It's it's not just see, and I'm I'm gonna come I'm gonna come back at you this one, and this is why, of course, we get all the good stuff like right when we got five minutes to the end of the show. I've had to fight long and hard to allow to be like sexy and attractive in the workforce because I'm a blonde hair, blue eyed, you know, busty, curvy, you know, sexy woman, and for me to come into technology and speak at technology things and things like that, it's been very interesting because I'm not well received by the other women and the men hit on me and you know. And then I open my mouth and start arguing with them, you know, from a technology standpoint. But it's been an interesting thing to be an attractive woman in in my field, male-dominated, you know, heavily non-sexual industry to be somebody with long blonde hair and not, you know, put myself in that role of unisex. So it's a very interesting dynamic because you're right, I don't want to be seen as you know, using that to get ahead. But I'll be honest, you know, my face opens doors. And, and you know, that to me is another tool in my arsenal, another currency in exchange. So I have mixed feelings about that a lot. I know what you're I, I, I understand your, your trepidation on that. But at the same time, it's like you are who you are. And it's owning and knowing your power. And, and I don't mean your power as in your manipulative power. I mean, your your strategic power. And that is like, you know, if you walk in there and you, this is who Sandra Beck is and you own it and you don't apologize for it. And it's sort of a, bla- no. a, a blailed, blair, <laughs> I can't speak right now, blair tra- oh, trailblazing, sorry, to be able to say, yeah, like, I'm not going to dumb it down. Like, I, I'm, I am who I am. I'm going to go in there professionally I'm gonna, and I'm going to speak confidently and, and knowledgeably and it's, it doesn't fit the package, but like that it doesn't fit your image of who you know my looks 
give you one image and my and my intellect gives you another image. Well, I'm combining right. them. I'm combining them, and that's the full power of women. We can be right. brilliant and, and attractive at the same time. And women have you to know, get over Gail, it. When I like worked you at said, CBS, you can get through looks from the women because we want to bring you down because it's it's you know we, we, all this subconscious, um, you know, crap that women have to let go of. Well, and when I worked at Television City, you know, CBS Television City here in Los Angeles, it was remarkable to me how so many of the powerful executives were six foot good looking men, period. Like there weren't a bunch of ugly ones in the bunch. And I I stood in the elevator one time, like with Pat Riley and a couple of these other famous, big, tall, good looking men dressed to the nines going into their meetings. And I thought to myself, not one of them apologizes for being a gorgeous man. So why should I apologize for being being an attractive female. You know, it's interesting what plays in your head. Exactly. But, and women have some ways to go to embrace that confidence and to embrace that unapologetic, um, uh, you know, presence. And I applaud you for that, Sandra. That's, that's, that's your, that is, that's a trailblazer for you to, to be able to demonstrate that to other women. Never apologize for it. Just kick ass with it. <laughs> it took me 47 years, but <laughs> I am yeah, there. I agree I, with you. Hey, I totally understand. You know, it, it's, I totally understand. And it's, it's, it, it, it takes, I think, just this continual, continual conversation that we're having today over and over and over again. And, and that's, again, I'm going to bring this back to why I'm starting Social Me- Girlfriend Media, is to bring more of these voices from women into the network and, and to get them out there into into the broadband of the world, right? The more, the more conversations we're having, the more people we reach, the more paradigm shifts we start to break down. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Gail Carruthers, you've been an outstanding guest today. Your company is Spiritual Girlfriend Network. Um, You can be listened to just by going to Google and typing in Spiritual Girlfriend Network. I can't wait to see what you're going to do in the future. Uh, Gail Carruthers, how do you spell your last name for those of you looking her up? C-A-R-R-U-T-H-E-R-S. And it's Spiritual Girlfriend Media. Oh, sorry. Spiritual Girlfriend Media. You guys look it up. Check her out. She's a mover. She's a shaker. She's going to bring us into the new millennium, and she's going to look good doing it. So this is Sandra Beck for Motherhood Talk Radio, (laughs) and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Motherhood Talk Radio brings you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests to help you be all you can be. Everything from great parenting tips to moms living with cancer, starting a family, or starting a business. Making the most of how you bounce back with style. Join us next week for another great guest you won't want to miss here on Motherhood Talk Radio, live every Tuesday afternoon on toginet.com.